Before we start today's teaching, I need to ask a favor of you. If you have walked with me through the entire Bible from Genesis to now Revelation, I want to hear from you. Would you please go to our URL at icejusa.org forward slash I walked. Let me know what it did in your life, what you learned, how you were blessed by it. And in return, we're going to send you a free resource. So please let me hear from you today. Thank you. Welcome to Walk Through the Bible, Susan Michael's 12-month journey through the most exciting book on the planet. It will transform your life one page at a time. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes that will ignite your faith and bring your Bible to life. Now, let's join our host, Susan Michael. Well, congratulations. You did it. We did it together. We are finishing our walk through the Bible. I don't know about you. I have learned so much. I have been so blessed through this time in the Bible. I will admit that the fact that I had to turn around and talk to you about each week's reading made me really understand each week's reading more than I would have at any other read through the Bible. But I've been so blessed by it. So this week, we reached the end of the book of Revelation. And now that we've read the end, we can actually understand the beginning better. The story that we read in Genesis It all began there. So this week, I want to wrap up our reading of Revelation, and then I want to talk about what we've learned on this journey. So welcome. This is week 53, the final week of our year-long walk through the Bible. Uh, This week, we're reading just one day's reading uh, in the Daily Bible, that of December 31st. So, you know, last week... We were deep into the symbolism that we found in the book of Revelation. My goodness, angels and trumpets and vials and plagues and oh my goodness, thousand years reigns. And so, but we talked about how that the Passover pattern, the freedom of the Israelites from bondage in Egypt, really gave us a framework to understand the pattern and what was happening here. Uh, in Revelation as it prophesies and looks forward to the return of Jesus and really the end, the wrap-up of what this is all about. So the people of God are in struggle um, in Egypt under Pharaoh, who is here, our Antichrist. And then God raised up two prophets, uh, Moses and Aaron, to go speak to Pharaoh. And here we see how that God raised up two prophets. And during the plagues, God made a distinction between the Israelites and the Egyptians and those that needed to suffer from the plagues and and the others. And, And he taught the Israelites how to have a sacrificial lamb and to put the blood on the doorpost to protect them during that final and last uh, deadly plague. And uh, this week, you would have read in the last week in Revelation 12, uh, where it's they, it says that they, the believers, triumphed over evil by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. 
They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death, that blood of the Lamb. And then in Passover, after the Israelites are led out of Egypt, Pharaoh decides to come after them again. And this time he goes all the way to the edge of the sea where he then enters and it's the end of Pharaoh. He he and his army are completely destroyed. We'll see that this week in uh, Revelation of after a thousand years of sweet rain on earth and sweet, sweet time that the the devil rise up one last time and it's his end. At that point, it is all over uh, for him. And just as God told Moses to go and part the Red Sea and the Israelites crossed over into a covenant with God and and to go into the promised land and to enter fully the promises that God had made for them. So we see uh, God saving us and this new heaven and new earth and a new Jerusalem. And that's the promised land that we have to look forward to and that uh, that we know will be our rest uh, when, it, when it all comes to an end. So that's the symbolism that we see in the book of Revelation. I want to uh, point out just one chapter for you. Um, something, a chapter I quote a lot because to me, the symbolism in this chapter really describes here the spiritual warfare that is against the church and against the people of Israel. So we read about it in Revelation 12. I'm going to read through uh, quickly. It says, "A, A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head, which depicting the 12 tribes. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its head, and its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will, quote, rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. Then war broke out in heaven, and then the accuser of the brethren is cast to earth. And I'm going to skip to verse 13. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. This is such a powerful vision here of Israel as a woman with the 12 stars around her head. She is in a birthing role. She is to give birth to this male child who's going to rule the world. 
as soon as the male child is born, then he is whisked into heaven and she is whisked into the wilderness for safety. And then there is this great war that takes place. And the enemy, the accuser of the brethren, is cast down to earth. And now he goes after her again. But it says the earth helped the woman by opening up its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon spewed. And the dragon was so enraged at the woman that then he went after her other offspring, those that have the testimony about Jesus. So you see here, it is a very spiritual war that is against Israel as the people that God called to have this birthing role. They birthed the redemptive products for us, foremost, one of which was and foremost was the birth of the Messiah. And it says here that after he was born, he was whisked to heaven and she was taken into a place in the wilderness. And you know, it shows here how that the, then this this dragon is so enraged and he goes after her again, but the earth is protecting her. And in a way, the exile of the Jewish people, the dispersion throughout all the world was a protection of them. The devil could not come wipe out the Jewish people because they were no longer in one place. They were not concentrated in one place. They were spread out all over the world. And when the devil realized he couldn't get them, then he went after the church. And the church is very persecuted. Right now, today, we have more martyrs than we've ever had before. But this shows the same accuser of the brethren that is after the church of Jesus Christ is the accuser of the brethren that went after the people of Israel and would seek to destroy them because of this special role that they have, just like the church of Jesus Christ has a special role also. Uh, the two roles are slightly different, and this is a description of the spiritual battle against them. Now, this week our reading took us just the last four chapters of the book of Revelation, starting with chapter 19. We read about the defeat of the Antichrist and his forces and this spiritual war that is, it's, it's depicted as a real battle on the earth, but it's also a spiritual battle at the same time. So you and I, we're used to seeing physical battles, but we don't see the spiritual battles. And here it's going to be combined. It is a, very much a spiritual battle, but it will also be fought uh, with real forces and um, the message of the Bible from Genesis all the way through to the end here is that while we are playing out this story on earth, there is very much a spiritual reality. And uh, the book of, of Daniel, the book of Ezekiel, um, the book here, Revelation, sort of gives us a glimpse into that spiritual world. And it's possible down here on earth to kind of go through life and not even realize how much we are affected by that spiritual reality. And then in Revelation 20, we have Satan is bound for a thousand years. And, and um, there's this thousand-year period of like the kingdom of God on earth. It's the Messianic era. Um, this is when... 
the throne of David is in place, the promises to Israel are being fulfilled, and then at the end of it, the devil is let free and he, he comes after it all again. But it's his end, it's his demise. And finally, in Revelation um, 21, we read about this new heaven and, and new earth and about the new Jerusalem and about paradise restored. Um, I just want to make a point here that when you're reading about this, this new Jerusalem, um, it has 12 gates, and they're named after the 12 tribes of Israel. And then the, the foundation of the city is uh, after the 12 apostles. And, you know, the, the point I want to make here is that the, the apostles, which come out of the 12 tribes of Israel, the New Jerusalem is all described in very Jewish terms. Do you see? Um, Israel isn't just of the Old Testament. Israel and the Jewish people, it's all about eternity. And in eternity, we're going to be worshiping the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the 12 tribes of Israel. And every day we're going to be reminded of the Hebraic foundations of the very faith and the very God uh, that we are a part of. And then we see that mankind is restored to paradise. This paradise is actually a better one than the one that man lost that we read about in the book of Genesis. But the curse is ended. The throne of God and the Lamb are in the midst of the city. I want to read to you Revelation 22, verses 4 to 5. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. So it all comes to an end in this glorious promised land, this new Jerusalem, this paradise restored where God is dwelling in the midst of his people and wiping away every tear. And this is the sustaining hope that we have as we go through trials and we go through hard times here on earth, that this is the destiny of God's holy people. And then it ends with this final quote of Jesus in verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. Verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Here, Jesus also is describing himself in very Jewish terms. He is the root and the offspring of David, not just while he was a man walking on earth, but while he is now Messiah, while he is the Savior walking in resurrected body in heaven, he is the root and the offspring of David. He sits on the throne of David. And so this is the glorious end of Revelation. And now before we end our year together, I just want to make a few comments 
about what we've learned along the way and what we've seen. So now that we've read the end of the book, where the offspring and the son of David is ruling and reigning over his people and with his people in this new paradise, now let's go back and remind ourselves what we read in Genesis, where God created the heaven and the earth, and then he created man to live on earth. And in Genesis 2.15, it says that God took the human, which in Hebrew is ha-adam, so we say his name was Adam, but actually Adam means the human. So God takes Adam, the human, and puts him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate and keep it. In Hebrew, that is called la'avdav, it means to work, to keep, or to serve, and uh, to watch over it. And so um, the, you could say that the first human being was put in the garden to work the soil and care for the produce. But, you know, that kind of sounds like he's the hired help, right? When really he was put in the garden to rule over the creation. And so there's much more to this than just working the soil or caring for the produce. And um, this phrase, la'avda u shamra, appears one other time in the Bible. And this is when it's describing the Levitical priesthood and its role in the temple. And um, this we find in Numbers 3, 8, the same language. Whoa, so what does this mean? This means that Adam was set in the Garden of Eden in a priestly service to serve and to maintain the worship of God and to live in fellowship with God in a priestly role, in a as an authority role. He was to help uh, the, the garden to flourish, but in a worshipful and obedient service unto the Lord. This is what it's all about. And this makes the Garden of Eden, in a way, the first temple or tabernacle on earth. And in fact, later, the tabernacle that was built was built on this model, and then the temple was built on the model of the tabernacle, was, was built on this model, and we read about it here in Revelation, the heavenly model that it's all based on. So from the beginning of time, God created man in order to serve him and worship him and to co-rule with him over the creation. Um, I've also made the point that God's intent from the beginning was to have fellowship with man, that God is a family man. From the beginning, his plan was to create and to have fellowship with a family. And he started it with Adam and Eve. And when they fell and they disobeyed and they kind of were kicked out of the garden, then God started with another man, the man named Abraham. And he says, if you'll follow me, I'm going to give you a nation and a land, and through you, I'm going to bless all the families of the earth. And so he created another family. And after he freed them from bondage 
in Egypt. He brought them into the wilderness and he proposed marriage to them. Will you become my people? Will you be my bride as it is? And I will be your God. And they said, yes, we will. And so then they fell into sin. And then God sends Jesus to die on our behalf. And it starts another phase of the building of the family for fellowship with God. From Genesis to Revelation, when we see this whole multitude worshiping before the Lord, it says they came from every tribe and every tongue. What a family. It was without number, and they're worshiping the Lord. This is what his goal was always from the very beginning, was to have this family from all the nations, all ethnicities, all tribes, all languages, worshiping him. And our story of the Bible is the story of how that he has created this family. I also want to mention that this la'avda u shamra shows that in the Garden of Eden and throughout all of God's creation, there should be no division between work and worship. And in the Hebrew mindset, there is no division. All of life is to be done in worship of God. A very religious Jew has a blessing for everything they do all day long, every day, all day to give honor to God. They see there's no division between me eating, I'm going to bless God, between me going to work, to me, uh, you know, any anything I do during the day, it's all in honor to God. And that's the way we need to see. I'm sorry, but much of our Christianity today has more of a Greek and Roman mindset where we compartmentalize, we cut off the sacred from the secular. There is no such thing. Our whole lives should be in honor of God, should be in service of God, and should be about what he has created us to be and to do. All of life is worship, and all of life is therefore sacred. So when you see this thread all the way from Genesis 1-1 to the end of Revelation, don't you agree with me the Bible is the most exciting book on the planet? I don't know how else to describe it. When you read It's divided up into 66 different books written by about 40 different writers over a period of almost 1,500 years, and yet this book is telling this story, the same story about the same God, and as he reveals bits and pieces to different generations throughout this book, we get a little bit of a better glimpse, but from the beginning, the end was there, and from the end, the beginning is there. It is such an amazing and exciting book. I hope you share my excitement about it. You know, I've also, during our time together, I've tried to bring out 
different archaeological finds there in Israel that corroborate the Bible, because I know our Bible is beat up on all the time. Uh, Non-believers love to knock the Bible, and they'll say all kinds of things that just aren't true, but it's what they've been told, and it's their way of debunking the Christian faith, the Jewish faith, and our Bible. And so I hope that you have come out of our year together where you understand what, you feel what I feel. And it is that encouragement of your faith that this book is true. God's word is true. It is so true. It is so accurate. It is being proven true every day, every week, every month with new finds archaeologically. And our God is so faithful to fulfill his word. Not only is it true, it will be fulfilled down to the smallest detail. Now, when you and I read an apocalyptic book like Revelation and all the symbolism and all the prophecy, I promise you, we do not know exactly what's going to happen and exactly when it's going to happen and exactly how it's going to happen. That's the nature of prophecy. But the prophecy does give us a roadmap. And if you look at how that some of the Old Testament prophecies were fulfilled and interpreted by the early church, you'll see the people at the time of the prophecy had no idea how it was going to be fulfilled. And we can look and blame them that they didn't understand. But honestly, who could have? And it's the same now. So don't feel bad that you don't have it all worked out and you have your time chart and everything. We're going to know the point is God's given us a roadmap and that we can with confidence face tomorrow because we know that he has tomorrow in his hand and he has provided for our covering, for our protection. He has provided for us as we walk in fellowship with him. So this should not be the end of your study, by the way. You know, um, just because we've just finished one year walking through the Bible, it should not be the end of your study. And so I want to point to you a few resources that we've linked to in today's show notes that I really recommend to you to get before. I've mentioned some of them before, but get them now while you still remember about them. You've got the links get them. You're going to want them in your library. You're going to want to share them, maybe with your children, maybe with your grandchildren, maybe with somebody at church that has doubts. Get these resources. First, the book about Passover, the key that unlocks the book of Revelation, written by Dr. Dan Jester. Get that book. Secondly, we have been offering a series of DVDs. There's three of them by uh, our good friends at the Christian Broadcasting Network, CBN. They are called Written in Stone, and they show you the different archaeological finds that are proving the Bible. Get all three of them. They're very, very cheap. One is on the House of David, about the uh, Kingdom of David and how that's being proven. The second one is about the secrets of the temple, both the first temple and the second temple there in Jerusalem, the Temple Mount today. The third one is about Jesus of Nazareth. 
get those. You want them in your library. And then last, there is a book that I have mentioned before, but now that we are finishing Revelation and we're finishing our Bible, I want to remind you, I highly recommend you get a book. We sell it in our online store by Samuel Whitfield. It's called, It Must Be Finished, Making Sense of the Return of Jesus. This book is phenomenal because what it does is it ties together for you the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the New Covenant, the Davidic covenant, and the return of Jesus. The book is easy to read. It's written in a beautiful format where it's just so easy for you to read and understand what really is kind of a complex progression here of the covenants. Why did Jesus come the first time, and why does he have to come back the second time? Why didn't he just do it all, right? This book is going to help you to understand that and the return of Jesus. So you are now, uh, I hope that you're getting our weekly emails. If not, be sure down in today's show notes, go to our outofzionshow.com webpage, sign up for our weekly emails, because even though we're ending the walk through the Bible, we're going to be starting a whole new series our Israel Answer series, we're going to have another Shabbat Shalom series, and we're going to continue our going deeper interviews with specialists along the way. So we have a lot more content, a lot more teaching, a lot more things for us to talk about. Stay in touch with us. Make sure you're getting our emails. Please like, Please subscribe to the channel. Please sign up for the emails. Stay in touch with us. We have so much more to talk about. So until then, God bless. Hey there. I hope you've enjoyed the teaching so far during our walk through the Bible. We would like to ask for your help. If you've enjoyed it, if you've received from it, if you've learned something and you would like to bless others with the opportunity to be a part of these teachings, would you please go down below in today's show notes, follow the link there to make a donation. You know, it costs a lot of money for us to provide this teaching to you free of charge, but we've done so just wanting to bless you. I'd like to ask you now, would you bless others? make a donation so that we can get this teaching out to more people. We would appreciate it. We just appreciate your partnership with us in that way. God bless you. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Out of Zion with Susan Michael. Be sure to subscribe to Out of Zion now on Apple Podcasts, cpnshows.com, YouTube, or wherever you like to listen and learn. Out of Zion with Susan Michael is a production of ICEJ USA, all rights reserved.